Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Thordorakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. The 2022 Championship is up and running, and we had an All Ireland final rematch in Porky Creed yesterday as Limerick beat Cork once again. While in Walls Park, Waterford got it off to a good winning start against Tipperary. Michael Verney is here with me on the Throwing Podcast. We'll be joined in a couple of minutes by Vincent Hogan and Eddie Brennan to discuss the hurling in a bit more depth. But first, Michael, maybe a, a more slower burn to the football starting off, but all Ireland champions, Tyrone, were in action against Fermanagh. And after kind of an interesting few months with players leaving the panel and an up-and-down league campaign, it was very important for them to get off to that winning start. Yeah, it took them a while to get going. Well, no point in saying any different. Um, partly due to, you know, their own kind of uh, probably inaccuracy in front of the post, but also... Fermanagh were brilliant for long stages of that game and really, really put it up to them. You'd have to say probably the introduction of, of Conor McKenna helped turn the game that and probably the, the form of Conor Myler at wing back and Darren McCurry up top as well. But probably probably conditioning wise, just from like the 45th, 50th minute onwards, Division 1 team, seasoned Division 1 team, All Ireland champions coming up against a Division uh, a Division 3 team, just really, really pushed on physically, um, probably conceded a couple of goals near the end that, that they wouldn't be happy with and definitely the red card of, of Conor McKenna they won't be happy with they've uh, they've intimated that they're going to appeal it um, didn't look to be much in it for me now I have to say there were a couple of strange calls there was a black card early handed out by Joe McQuillan as well which I thought was uh, a bit puzzling and um, McKenna you know been absent for that Derry game would take away you know a big big weapon from them so I know Fergal Logan has um has a pretty good record with his with his, in his day job of uh you know appeals and successful GA appeals. So they'll definitely be hoping to get that one off. You know I I didn't see much evidence for a red card. I have to say, and having him available for Derry the next day will be crucial. But a, a bit of probably dirty petrol out of tank for or out of tank for Tyrone. It's hard to get away from the question marks about different you know seven players in total um being absent from last. year. There's all Ireland winning squad, but they're on the road now. Having McKenna back the next day is just crucial. And as you say, you know, sets up a very intriguing quarter final against Derry, who had a good league, just missed out in Division Two promotion, and even last year, randomly got very, very close, and, and arguably should have beaten them in the in the Ulster Championship. Uh, you know, there was also two games in Connacht. You know, great to see New York back in the championship after you know a long absence, and they almost beat Sligo. It was late last night, or you know, later last night. Um, but very close, you know, you feel sorry for them, but Sligo just about got over the line. It's mad to say two games in Connacht and two games in different continents <laughs> when, <laughs> when you look at it. But um, I was surprised by both. I have to say, I know London um, performed well in the early stages of the league, but their form kind of tailed off. Like, neither New York or London have played championship in three years. 
and you have to say, in fairness, New York probably who are have so many handicaps against them in the sense of you know the geography of training together uh, in a big city, the geography of trying to get challenge matches. I think they played Salt in Nakara. That was the only challenge match that they played. But they really fronted up against Sligo, gave them a lot of problems. Uh, Johnny Glynn, who I'm sure would be in demand for the, by the Galway hurlers if he was around, and Mark Ellis, the former car curler, were both very, very good for them, but just came up short. Niall Murphy, very good for Sligo. And I think Andy Moran breed a, a side of relief with, with Leitrim. Keith Byrne, very, very good for them. But they had a tough day at the office in Ryslip and they'd be happy to get through. Many teams have fallen there before and had very, very tough afternoons. So I think they'll be happy just to get through. But two really, really encouraging performance from the two exiled sides. Just a pity now that, that New York have nothing to build on, really. They, you know, it's, it's going to be this time next year before they play another competitive game. Um, at least London get to go into the, the Talton Cup and, and get, a, get a shot at that and hopefully build on their performance. But disappointing from a New York point of view. Yeah, and the football championship really kicks into gear next weekend. We have Donegal versus Armagh in the early game on Sunday. You know, two Division One teams who, who you know who really going hammer and tongs. Then we have Mayo Galway at four p.m. on Sunday, which is set to be an absolute cracker. But for now, we're going to focus more on hurling. We're delighted to have Vincent Hogan and Eddie Bredden with us this week. And Vincent, I might go to you first, and we might touch on the Cork Limerick game to start off that all on final rematch once again. Limerick kind of blowing Cork away. What stood out to you the most about how the game unfolded? Well, I keep hearing this recurring expression that Cork have learnt nothing. You know, we go back to the All-Ireland final last year where they conceded 3-16 in the first half. But I, I would actually ask the question, what is the value of an education when it strikes me that we all talk about the system that is so well-oiled in the Limerick camp. And you, you see Mike Casey coming in, first championship action nearly three years, and he just takes to it like a duck to water. Kyle Hayes goes back into... The, the 40, having had two years in the wing-back position, not a bother. But what Cork's recurring issue, in my view, is physically. There's no team, in my, in my opinion, better equipped skill-wise to play out through the lines than Cork. But when they come up against Limerick particularly, they're blown out of it physically. They come out to the 45 and they hit this green wall. So, you know, they have two weeks to prepare now for the Clare game in Thurles. And I'm not sure what the Cork management will do in that two weeks because they may beat Clare, they may be Tip, but when they come up against Limerick again, there is zero evidence that they have the physical capacity to deal with Limerick. And I, I don't know, you can talk about learning lessons, but in this instance, I think Cork are just not physically equipped to cope with Limerick. Yeah, Eddie, because I was reading your piece in today's Irish Independent, kind of talking about Cork and you picked out a number of things that you thought was was maybe wrong with them. I don't know if you want to expand on it a little bit there. Yeah, look, I, I think at this stage, you know, you'd say kind of, um, you know, the the line of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting the different results, you know, and, and I think Cork just haven't been able to to change it up to maybe, you know, put a bit of pressure on Limerick somewhat. But um, I think, you know, on, on Vincent's point there, I I just think, when when you strip it down, like and yes, Limerick have a, a very good understanding of how they play, and you know all all league. This is the first time we've seen probably arguably their strongest fifteen available to them to be put on the pitch. And when that happens, you have guys beside each other that that are that are that know how to play together. But I think if you look at they do the basics so well, right? Barry Nash and some of these guys are really good. Dear McBurns, yes, they gave an exhibition at wing back. 
on how to, you know, pick off their scores and, and carry the ball through the lines and carry effectively, get away from a tackle and give a good pass every single time. But when it comes to the actual art of defending, they're, they're as good at that as they are at playing the ball. And I think, you know, we, we talk about the modern defenders and what they need to be, you know, modern hurlers have to have all the skills. They have to be able to carry the ball up the pitch. They have to be able to do all the things that normally we would have associated with forwards. But equally, their primary duty as a unit is to defend well. And I think, you know, I spoke in the article about, you know, Tim O'Mahony and Mark Coleman, and you don't like picking out individuals and kind of pointing to them, but they're seen as two of the kind of, uh, you know, leaders of this Cork team. And just when it comes to the actual, the, the, the nuts and bolts of being an out-and-out defender and being able to shut down your man first and foremost, they just don't seem to have those uh, essential instincts and, you know, Mark Coleman, you know, I think I see Owen Cadigan maybe a few weeks ago, maybe asking the question after the league final, do they need to shove Mark Coleman higher up the field? And I think now uh, that's a question that comes into play. The same with Tim O'Mahony. Like, Tim O'Mahony, I think, you know, there was three frees he conceded off of Hegarty. You know, one of the goals, he, he turned back when, when, when maybe putting the ball in direct. And I'd imagine their forwards are kind of frustrated with this, especially Patrick Horgan. But I think... For me now, it's the psychological damage that has been inflicted by this match yesterday. You know, I'd say the Cork management, all of them are gone home yesterday evening and this morning, you know, it's it's probably like waking up with a, from a bad hangover or maybe a boxer that's after getting a right good bait. Like, you're, you're, you know, you're really sore today and I'd imagine they're questioning and doubting themselves in a big, big way. Well, just on a point that, that Eddie said there, everybody uh, would have lauded Kyle Hayes as a wing-back, you know, a marauding wing-back who can get forward, a la maybe a Jack McCaffrey. But if you look closely at Kyle Hayes when he was wing-back, his primary function was to defend, and he was a brilliant defender, and he always got his body in and was always back in the 21, always putting in the defensive shift. The attacking piece came later, but his primary function was to defend. And when you look at some of the Cork lads, uh, particularly in defence, you think that it looks like their primary function is to attack. And that's, and that's just, defending is defending. Like, I, I couldn't believe, uh, I couldn't believe Hayes' goal that uh, Mark Coleman, who was kind of playing as a sweeper or an extra defender, you know, he darted across to, to aid Damien Cahalan, Cahalan kind of slipped and then all of a sudden one sidestep and Hayes is bearing down on goal. I, I just, I couldn't believe how naive it was. And if you look at the All-Ireland final last year, I think Gerard Hegarty's two goals were both, he, he stood up hitting both of them. Galan stood up hitting his goal. Galan, there was no Cork player inside the 45 yesterday when the ball was struck into Aaron Galan, who was just standing in 30 yards of space. Just really kind of bizarre stuff. I understand that they want to attack as a unit um, from the defence, but like not in a million years, as Eddie said in his column today, would Noel Hickey or Jackie Terrell or any of these lads or any you know you know really good defender, their first instinct is to defend, and I think you know that was just highlighted again yesterday with Cork that it doesn't look like their first instinct is to defend, and when you look at the psychological damage of last year's All Ireland final, and yes they beat them in the league, but all those scars were opened up again and opened up even further yesterday you have to say from a car point of view and it's going to be intriguing to see they have two weeks now i think they're, they're probably probably happy to have a week off it's going to be intriguing to see how they how they bounce back are they a busted flush or will they shuffle the deck a bit personnel wise 
and tactically make a bit of a shift for the for the Clare game. But it's going to be fascinating to see how how they adapt to it. Yeah, I, I I would make the point shuffling the deck. I don't think they have those options, Michael. And and I, I like you know look you look at fellas like Tim O'Mahony, Mark Coleman. They were both on the Cork Under Twenty One team, beaten by Tipperary in the All Ireland final in two thousand and eighteen, having hammered Tip in the Munster Championship. Now that that Tipperary team had no stars. Whereas the Cork team had about six fellas, you'd say, were nailed on to play senior hurling. And you look at, you know, Eddie makes a very valid point that the, the basics in terms of getting the wrong side of your man. Now, Dermot O'Sullivan is in the backroom team of, of, of Kieran Kingston's backroom team. We, in my lifetime, I can't remember a more ferociously aggressive defender, but they don't have that player now. And, you know, this thing of, you know, they're beautiful hurlers. I don't know, are they producing the type of hurlers needed or are they kind of schooling the hurlers properly at underage? But Mark Coleman and Tim O'Mahony, they have to start. They're, they're, they're too good not to start, in my view, against Clare. But what the management do in the interim, I've no idea. You see, I suppose to come in on that even, lads, like I think that's the big dilemma there, what Michael just touched on there. And I said, you're now after round one day one and now you're questioning all your preparation and all your decisions that you've made to put your team on the pitch so it's stick or twist now and 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 either I think it's very difficult now to to change it up because all the guys sitting there in the room if you come in now and say look guys we're going to try something different they're all going okay so now they're starting to question it and I say in their own heads now they're the doubts have to be creeping in and that's the big dilemma for Kieran Kingston now is does he change things up? Does he have a go that way and say, "Look, we're going to have a go. We're going to sink by having a go, or we're going to stick with what is you know we we've decided is the way forward." But the problem is, what they've decided the way forward is just not good enough, um, and 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 that's the big the big thing. But I think I suppose we have to be you know with it. Obviously, how good Limerick are at doing the basics, and even up front, like we talk about, you know, we can say about this, uh, you know. Nicky Quaid is still hitting 77%, I think was his return yesterday off puckouts, success. He mixed it up. He was able to hit Hegarty with high ones. And you'd look, six foot five, you'd expect that. Like, that's what you do. You play to your strengths, find your big man, hit him with ball, and he's able to catch it. Equally, they went with 17 or 18 to the, to the first receiver around the 21, and they were able to carry it effectively. It was their second ball and their third ball. Like they made one pass that was needed and then they looked up and they hit the man higher up the field. Whereas Cork, you know, you think Tim O'Mahony that time and I made the comparison between him and Dermot Burns. Burns was able to hit his long range points with a win behind his back because he was playing the elements. He was playing smart. O'Mahony wheeled back around that time and the ball ended up in the back of the net. When, but the Limerick forwards work so hard and that's a term that's maybe overused a lot. But they, they I think they got 216 off, off uh, turnovers yesterday, which is phenomenal. Yeah, Michael, how impressed were you with Limerick? You know, Eddie said that turnover statistic was kind of used as an indication of how hungry they are to come back because there was not question marks per se, but the league was obviously a very quiet league for them. And we were kind of focusing on other narratives and other teams and other talking points. So we didn't really probably discuss them very much over the seven or eight weeks we did this show. But now they're back in one game and they've already kind of bulldozed all those other narratives out of the way. Yeah, well, if you like, I'm sure... John Kiley and Paul Canorkin, the lads would have looked at their schedule for the championship and realised, okay, like if we're beaten by Cork in the first round here, we have Waterford, the, 
what are deemed the heir apparent to the throne the week after and potentially we could be out of Munster within the first two weeks. So it's obviously looking like, you know, it was a long term process to get everything right, to get everything right for that. Uh, I think John Kiley talks about the energy. The energy was not there in the league where they were probably trying uh, some new players and trying out some new bits and pieces and reintegrating players like Mike Casey back into the scene. But the energy was definitely there yesterday. And I have to say, I think he's, well, I think he's probably been heralded now just because it's happening so often. But like Will O'Donoghue just enforces everything in the middle of the field. It's just, he's the, I mean, this is the best compliment I'd say, say to the fella. He's the greatest pest. He just never disappears. He's always yeah. there. He's always chasing back. He's always hounding and hunting. Um, I think there was a stage the All-Ireland final last year, the game was over and he just made like a 70-yard run just to keep putting pressure and pressure and pressure. And he was at that all day yesterday, ably assisted by Darrell Donovan. That just work rate around that middle area there. He really, really sets the tone. Limerick were, Limerick were good yesterday. Um, it wasn't anything like the All-Ireland final performance. It was a mixture of Limerick being, you know, good, very good, but Cork really been below par. And you'd probably say there's probably a bit more to come from Limerick. Uh, Seamus Flanagan will obviously be back over the coming weeks. They'd be delighted with Mike Casey, uh, as Vincent said there. Just a bit, like It's a good to three years between championship appearance. Brilliant yesterday. That catch at the end over Patrick Corgan was just phenomenal. Uh, looks like they're going from, uh, from strength to strength now. It looks like they wanted a peak for championship. And all of a sudden, the question marks are, and the fears maybe around Limerick after the league form, Look to have been quickly allayed. And Vincent, what about that game in Walsh Park? Then I know you were there yesterday. Waterford two twenty four, Tipperary two twenty. Really exciting game. Terrible conditions that I think brightened up eventually. Uh, you know, was it a case for you of Waterford maybe being a little bit complacent or a little bit nervous of that favourites tag, or did Tipperary just produce a performance that you know not very many people were expecting? I think it was definitely nervous, Will. I, I think it was a very unusual situation that Waterford found themselves in in my lifetime. I cannot remember a championship match between Waterford and Tip where Waterford were such strong favourites. And locally, they were very much conscious of they'd never actually won a single round-robin game in the modern championship structure. So there was that edginess in Waterford yesterday. A great buzz. The conditions weren't that bad, actually, because the rain more or less cleared and the pitch was absolutely gorgeous down in Walsh Park. And a brilliant atmosphere. Those small little venues, about 11,000 people packed in. But the edginess in Waterford was so apparent. Like we, we saw that situation on about 20 minutes. Tyg de Burka coming out with the ball, no pressure on him. And he hand passes it straight to Noel McGrath, who was absolutely on fire in that floating role. And, and you know, it was always a dangerous enough game for Waterford because Tipperary completely unheralded going into this championship. New management, a lot of young players coming in and, and no one... No great expectation of Tip. And, you know, it may sound defeatist, but I got a real sense from Tipperary supporters yesterday that they were delighted with the honesty of effort. But from Tip's point of view, that's all very well. I saw Liam Sheedy alluding to it last night that it is a, an opportunity missed because they had a good few goal chances um, against Waterford yesterday. And they played Clare now on Sunday. And if Clare knocked them back on their backsides then this championship is, is a real struggle for, Limer for Tip again because they're in against Limerick. But for Waterford, I think it's the perfect scenario for Liam Cahill. He was able to bring on Ozzie Gleeson and Jamie Barron at halftime. They had an immediate impact. And it showed us what we've been saying all along, that in terms of strength of depth, like Waterford are the nearest you'll get to Limerick right now. They, they have those options on the bench. And it was off the bench that they won this match yesterday. 
And Eddie, after what you saw over the first weekend, you know, and heading into Limerick Waterford next weekend, are, are Waterford further away than you maybe thought? Or is it just one week weekend, one nerves, as Vincent maybe said there? Uh, yeah, look, I, I think the weight of expectation on him um, and, and history is also too, like there's, there's a buzz around Waterford and probably in the in the country in general from Hurling people saying, look, we now have a team that look as if they're they're ready to go. And, you know, we, we, we look at and we judge it on what we see and, and they are, but... Um, like I said, um, I think the the performance from Tipperary was brilliant. I think Colin Bonner was courageous in what he done. I thought it was brave. You know, fifty percent of his defensive unit were making their championship debuts, and I thought they did. They coped really, really well. Um, you talk about a young guy, you know, um, Dylan Quirk going in there and and having to pursue, you know, no less than Stephen Bennett around the place. Quigley, you know, Craig Morgan, a few more of them, like done really, really well. So in that regard, they're happy, but. With Warford, I think I'd agree with Vincent. I think they'd be pleased with it. Liam Cal got the battle of their lives. I think he got what we would call maybe a little bit of a straightener for his players to, to realise that you still have to do what we have done so well in the league final. We have to go there and beyond that now. Um, and next weekend, look, I think it's one where um, it's, it's, they're, going, they're not going to be favourites, obviously. But I think it's one where they can have a real, real cut off it because they have ambitions of, of being there in the shake-up in, in July. So this is one where they have to let fly and have a cut off Limerick and go, you know, all guns blazing against them. But um, yeah, look, the the options that we spoke about, the strength is in their panel. They had to dip into that panel fairly deeply yesterday to get the results over the line. And it was one or two of their unknowns. You know, McNulty was brilliant, popped up with two very, very important points. So um yeah, look, job done, move on. Um, I think it's a great way for Liam Cal to refocus the heads for next weekend and uh, there should be no shortage of energy, I'd imagine. The the danger for Liam Cal in some ways is now is probably you're trying to keep your panel happy. They'd love an internal match now probably tomorrow evening because the jersey's up for grabs and you just probably can't do that with such a narrow window. Yeah, Michael, like how are you looking at next Saturday night's game, you know, between Limerick and Waterford, you know, they are the two favourites for the championship. It could conceivably be their first of three meetings over the course of the summer. So, like, how important would it be for Waterford to get a scalp, you know, for the first time over this Limerick team in quite a while, or for Limerick to keep the foot in the throat? Like, or will it be a bit of a phony war? I remember a few years ago, Limerick played Tipperary the week before Munster final, and it was very different to what the Munster final was then maybe two weeks later. How, how are you approaching it? I think uh, there's absolutely no hope of a phony war because uh, it's just too early in the in the round robin. They both need a result. They're both craving a result. I think from a Waterford point of view, if you look at it, the last two times they played Limerick, they've been beaten by 11 points in the set the All Ireland final of uh, 2020 and then the semi final last year. So like, not to, you wouldn't say it's a victory for Waterford, but narrowing that gap significantly, getting it down to a one or two score game, uh, learning a lot and then hopefully uh, implementing that maybe when you meet Watford uh, or meet Limerick at a later stage. I'd say that's probably, uh, that's probably what they're looking to get out of it. Obviously, they're going to be looking to try and win the game. That probably is going to be, probably, that's going to be a difficult, particularly based on how Limerick played the other day. But I think, as Vinny said there, I think it couldn't have worked out better for Liam Cattle yesterday. Like they won the league final two weeks ago and I don't think Liam will thank uh, Derek McGrath for coming out saying after that the Waterford are the team to beat, basically, after that. And expectations within Waterford are just gone absolutely sky high. That a lot of things went wrong in that game yesterday, but they were still able to find a way. 
Uh, and as Eddie said, some unheralded players like Shane McNulty, Patrick Curran was brilliant. Uh, Mikey Kiley is just a different type of a player that they probably wouldn't have had in recent years. Big Barron and kind of full forward who, who has an eye for goal as well. As regards what's, you know, what are they looking to get out of the Limerick game? Narrow that gap. Narrow that gap. Show that it can be competitive with Limerick for 70 to 75 minutes and bring them down the stretch. No team has taken Limerick down the stretch. Who's the last team that really took them down the stretch? Probably Kilkenny in 2019, the last team to beat them. So they need to take them down the stretch and ask them some difficult questions. Uh, it's probably a small bit early to beat them. And plus, if you're, if you're going to beat them, I think you want to beat them in a, knock, in a knockout game. So if they're going to beat them, not Ireland semi-final or final, it'll be the perfect time to beat them when they can't get a chance to beat you again. Yeah, I think Galway went close in that semi-final in 2020 as well, which maybe brings us on to the Leinster Championship, Vincent, which kicked off on Saturday, and Galway-Wexford was probably the, the marquee game there. Uh, you know, very frantic finish. It was that very controversial refereeing decision to overturn a free that ultimately proved vital. You know, Henry Shefflin's first championship game, Egan's first championship game. What did you make of it? I thought it was, uh, you know, compared to what we saw in Walsh Park yesterday, it seemed very sluggish uh the conditions weren't good down there i mean it's funny i was watching television and the sun was baking the stones here in dublin and down in wexford it was cold and wet um galway looked in complete control of the game and then you know i think henry used this expression went completely out of it now that's a line that we've used with galway hurlers so often in recent years that and this is the element of them that i suspect that henry needs above all to get out of this Galway group, this tendency to fade out of games completely. They still looked in complete control with about 10 minutes to go. And Conor McDonald did brilliantly to get that Wexford goal. Then the decision, you know, you look at what was it, 11 seconds that Conor Cooney took. Lee Chin took something like 18 seconds to get the equalising free. Um, so a little bit of inconsistency there from the ref. I, I thought it was a bit harsh. There's no doubt that Conor was trying to play down the clock. But like, if you're going to pull people up on that, well, you have to be consistent. And it would su suggest that Tomás Walsh wasn't consistent in his application because Lee took that amount of time. But great to see Lee Chin back in action. He's, he's been haunted with injuries. And he was a huge presence there because, you know, the moment that free was overturned, it was Lee Chin who put the ball over the bar from 60-odd yards out. And, and then he had the, the, the presence to uh, take that late free. And um, so... I'd say very frustrating for Henry because all of the the criticisms that have been levelled at Galway in recent years, since 2017 when Michal Donoghue got them to win the All-Ireland, they've kind of reverted to old habits and, and a lack of on-field leadership. You know, Eddie rightly points that out about Cork in yesterday's game. It's there with Galway. And if you go back to last year in Thurles, where Galway were inexplicably 16 points behind Watford, going into the second water break, 16 points. That's unforgivable in my view. And they, they kind of dug out a late finish with Jason Flynn's two late goals. But it was Joe Canning set up those two goals. So they were depending on the leadership of Joe Canning then. And I think Henry's got to be looking around that dressing room right now and asking the question, who is going to pick up the mantle? Who is going to show the on-field leadership that when a team comes at you, as Wexford did, and they will do with the crowd on their, on their backs down in Wexford Park, when a team comes back at you, who is going to stand up and be counted and not make stupid decisions and not make stupid mistakes? You could see it in Henry. He was very frustrated coming out of there because they're the basics. And Eddie could talk about this. They're the basics that Kilkenny under Cody never got wrong when they were, when they were winning games. And Henry's trying to instill that in a Galway group. 
it remains to be seen if, if he can achieve that. Just to, just to come in on that point as well, Vincent, I, I think just for, for people listening, I think when, when we speak about um, leadership, you know, people, people might think that that's, you know, your senior guys, uh, you know, letting a few shouts and roars at lads. You know, that's not what leadership is. Uh, um, and I think we, we see it in abundance, you know, at the moment with these Limerick lads, like as I said, like Declan Hannan was probably relatively quiet all day yesterday. And he just took a ball and he just off he went. And he just knew that at that stage they, they needed to just keep building that lead. The Cork players just moved away from him and he kept going up the field, eventually got fouled. You know, Barry Nash, it's simple things. Hegarty, you know, winning a free, that's what leadership is. It's, it's not fist pumping lads. It's not shouting and roaring at lads. And I think that's what Galway needed yesterday. Like someone like Parik Mannion or whoever they are, be it, there's, there's a lot of new guys there. You know, even, you know, Monaghan was really good. Just, just get a ball, get a hook, get a block. That's all it is. It's just get a get a big tackle and um, and just going to you know what you said about Wexford. I thought Conor McDonald to finish that goal was phenomenal. It looked as if it was gone and and he had been mauled asunder and and just was shoved out, and that just triggered something from from Wexford. And all it was was I think maybe Galway just weren't didn't respond. And I'll be I'll be it looked it was a controversy over the free. But that's what, what we're talking about there. And that's what Henry will want. He'll want someone to take that game by the scruff of the neck that, okay, the ball gets turned over for the hot ball. Now we need a winner. Now we need somebody to go in where it hurts and get that ball and be willing to have a hurl broke off him to win it free. That's the type of stuff that is the difference between getting you home and maybe not. But I think also too, Henry has, has put in a lot of new blood into that team. So that's, that doesn't you know, change overnight. But uh, I, I suppose I mentioned was how significant this result could be by the end of the campaign. You know, a draw can change it up, knowing that they have to play Dublin. Um, I think, is it in Dublin maybe? Or is it at home? You know, they, they, then Wexford, uh, you know, to, to lose up that point when it looks as if they had to, that could be massive when it comes to the business end of the Leinster Championship. Yeah, Gal- Galway Dublin is in Pierce Stadium. Okay. I think the really, worry, the really worrying thing from Henry Shefflin's point of view, uh, apart from, well, I was actually, I thought he learned an awful lot about inter-county management the other day as well, I have to say, in the sense of, like, not picking out names, but, uh, like, I thought he could have ran the bench a bit quicker. I thought Evan Nyland and Keenan Fatty were left on the pitch, you know, a lot longer than, we'll say, Dar Egan had Cottle Dunbar in and made an impact. He'd lead Chin in to make an impact. I thought they waited for things to happen um, rather than, making kind of things happen on the line but the really worrying thing from Shefflin's point of view is we're talking about you know a leader to step up like Conor Whelan would probably be maybe outside of Parik Mannion or uh, Dahi Burke would be that player particularly up front and he pulled up it looked like a, his, his hamstring was fully extended at the time I'd be amazed if it's not two to three weeks I, he won't be playing against Westmead this weekend he'll struggle to feature against Kilkenny on May 1st probably looking at him for the, to play some part in the leash game on May 14th and then hopefully start against Dublin uh, in that last game. But he was his his absence was really uh, sorely felt in that last 15 minutes. You had, and it adds, in, Michael, it, it adds great juice to the Kilkenny one now. That, yeah. that, that, it's a, that's pressure now. There's pressure on a little bit now because they, they're going to need to beat Kilkenny to put themselves you know, back in the mix a little bit. Yeah, no, it's 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 fascinating. It really is, and he that he just wasn't there to hold up ball that last fifteen minutes. And like, it's no coincidence that I think Matt O'Hanlon was picking him up for most of the game. 
like who turned it, who helped turn the tide at the back for Wexford? I, I would say Matt O'Hanlon just bar- was like barreling out with ball in that second half, and he was building attacks. And it's probably no coincidence that that was partly due to the fact that Connor Whelan was uh, was gone off the pitch. But uh, Wexford would be delighted to get a point out of that. Just, just didn't look like it was possible uh, with. T- or 15 minutes to go but there was an instance where Joel Cooney who had a brilliant game a really really good game but he and I suppose maybe it was partly due to the fact that he was playing so well he felt he'd take on the shot from the 21 but that was a no-brainer hand pass inside to Connor Cooney and the game was over and yeah. look, how, look how it finished up after it's it, games turn on like simple little things like that a, a poor decision made and uh, they're, they're down a couple of they're down a point now and with, with uh, wheeling out there could be chasing their tail potentially in a couple of weeks time be really interesting as Eddie says that Kilkenny game is going to be fascinating now the uncle Kenny like what how do you assess where they are at the moment obviously got the win over Westmead you know a tough game for maybe the first 45 50 minutes and then they and they pulled away like what what are your thoughts on their prospects generally you know going forward this summer Ah, yeah. Look, they got the job done, and and in in, a, in an expected manner too. Like, and, and I think the key to that, look, obviously with with the height of respect, you know, to to the opposition, you know, a match like that is hugely important. It's it's your score builder, like, and you have to just get it going. Um, it was, you know, I suppose it showed maybe too the level of resistance that we met with that, you know, TJ was 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 dipped in there quick enough, and and I knew they had to get a bit of game time into TJ, but I'd say they would have been slightly concerned at half time because. Um, you know, Westmead were 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 getting stuck in, and um, but look, it's it's a job done for Kilkenny. Definitely, they'll they'll want buckets of improvement, but it's it's probably building their confidence and building their belief. I think they have their first fifteen relatively settled, um, and it's going to be all about you know the same this weekend again. They have to get their business done. Whereas you know, if they're going up to Galway then with four points in the bag and a decent scoring average, that puts them in a position whereby. You know, a draw could be in part, it could be equally as good as getting the results. So, um, yeah, look, they've they've a bit of work to do. I think I think they'll they'll want to definitely address how the the match against Cork finished. But um, yeah, I think they're they're still in a good old position. They're they're healthy. Um, I think you know Brian being Brian, he'll want more of them. He'll he, he certainly will not uh, be taking leash anyway for granted this weekend. I think he will. He will have the boys, the boys very, very focused on that match, and again, get their business done. Forget about everything else. Get get two more points in the bag, and uh, then we get ourselves refreshed and ready for Tilton Galway. Eddie, was any part of you fearing another miracle in Mullingar? <laughs> that place gives me the shakes, Michael. <laughs> um, yeah, look, it's 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 a it's a tough venue to go to, and I'd say, look, I was. I obviously wasn't there, but I was keeping tabs on the score and you're kind of going, oh God, you know, it took them a while to get there, to get in the groove a little bit. And it's that type of place. And look, to be fair too, I know, um, you know, some of the guys are probably the wrong side of 30, you know, even Angus Clark being missing there. I think he, he they, they didn't play in the last minute. You know, they have a lot of quality hurlers. Like, and, and if they can put all their, their best lads on the pitch, you know, I've, I've come up against them a lot in the last couple of years, even with Leash. They have a lot of quality hurlers and, and and it's a tough pitch to go to because it's short enough. Um, but uh yeah, look, you'd have to say um it's a tough campaign ahead for them too, like but uh their 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 game anyway, that's one thing they won't do is is lie down. Mm. I mean, so I might give you the last word then Dublin Leash was the, the final game of the weekend and very close in the end I think Leash goalkeeper Brennan Rowland had an effort to almost snatch victory at the very end, but it, it just shows how 
tight and competitive Leinster is, you could probably make a case for a number of teams being matched up in the final when we get there in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, look, I, I think, you know, at the outset, you would have said Leash and Westmead, the kind of the whipping boys of the Leinster Championship. Well, they both acquitted themselves very, very well in the opening round of fixtures. Like Killian Doyle, there's very, there's not many better players in, in the country than Killian Doyle for Westmead. And fair play to Leash. They went into Parnell Park. They were broadly written off, but we, we a few of us were there a couple of years ago when Eddie was in charge and they beat uh, Dublin in Port Leash. So Matty Kenny would have been very wary of this game. And, and I wasn't that surprised that they struggled because Leash have some outstanding individual players. But for me, the bugbear of, of Dublin continues to be attacking-wise. I think they're, they're very strong defensively. But I thought Ronan Hayes was the guy who was going to change things for them. But looking at their, their use of Ronan Hayes continues to be poor, in my opinion. When you have a big guy... This idea that you just lobbed it down on top of his head is nonsense. You've got to give him ball to run out to. And I thought their use of the ball towards Hayes was poor yesterday. They leaned very heavily on Donald Burke, who was outstanding. I think he got five from play. Matty Kenny, funnily enough, I think he'll be pleased. They've got, they've got the points on the board. It was a very tricky one. If Roland stuck that, that three at the end and it, and it ended up a leash win, it would have been a disaster for, for Matty because I think he's four years there now. And if they were beaten by leash... Their championship was effectively over. So just coming through that, I, I think they'll, they'll be very keen to kick on now. I think it's Wexford next, um, a tricky enough one going down to Wexford Park. But do you know what? Matty Kenny will be talking to them this week about, right, lads, our championship is up and running. We go down and we win in Wexford Park, we're flying. It's all set up very nicely for the next couple of weeks. But for the moment, Eddie, Vincent, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, thanks lads. That's all we have time for on the throw on this Monday. But we will be back later in the week on Friday with a podcast with Philly McMahon looking ahead to the football weekend. And then again next Monday, reviewing all the weekend's action. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.